Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, March 5th, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. I really do. And I hope you also call me today with your investing questions. I mean, this is what Invest Talk is all about an exchange. You make the show much more interesting. You know, your participation pushes the show forward and makes people want to listen because. Whatever you're asking, they may have the same questions. Now, it may not be if you asked only about stock questions. That may not other people may not be interested in that particular stock. But I always try to fold in a little lesson about the stock if there is one to be learned. So we'll do that. So you make the show interesting, and we're all pursuing the same goal, and that is financial freedom. And I am here to help you. We want to have, you know, our philosophy is all about independent thinking and shared success, common sense investing, things that, you know, that make sense, that we you can learn and you can, imply, you can apply it to your personal situation. And, you know, everybody, we've talked about it many times, financial freedom is our goal and it means every different, something different for everybody. How much money do you need? How much income? It's really not how much money you need in retirement. It's how much income you need in retirement. And where's that income going to come from? How do we produce that income? I had a question, email question. It was right on point this morning. Uh, someone asked me, sent me an email, says, how much money do I have to have and how do I get it to produce $9,000 a month? Okay. That's not. That's an easy question, really. It really is an easy question. It's difficult to get the number, the amount of assets you need to get to that number, but it's an easy question to answer. We can do that. We can do the math, and it's very easy. That's was financial freedom for him. Nine thousand dollars a month. Would it come from Social Security? Would it come from? Where is it coming from? In his retirement. Where does it come from? And that's the. That's what you should do. Where what is your financial freedom number? We'll call it FFN. Financial freedom number. What is it for you that you need on monthly income in retirement? Now you gotta you gotta know certain things. How much inflation is there gonna be? How much is medical cost gonna be? And there's certain things you're not gonna know for sure. But that's what it's all about. You gotta come up with numbers. Today in this hour, I'm going to help you make the best decisions you can one step at a time by one question at a time. And along the way, I hope you, you know, with your calls and your and, and, and the information I'm providing, we will all get to that po- point where we want to be. And I've said this before, too. It's something I've really lived by is that is we all want to get to the point where you no longer have to have to earn the money and make it. And rather, you want the money to make money for you instead of you making money. You want that money coming in instead of you working for that money. The money's got to work for you. How do you get there? How do we? It's hard. 
I'm not pretending it's easy. I'm not. But you can do it. So what was on the news today? What was pushing the markets? Well, several things. A lot of things. Um, The markets are still considering the potential outcome of the U.S.-Chinese trade talks. And I'm going to talk about that as one of the talking points today. What if if it succeeds? What if it doesn't succeed? What's going to happen with the stock prices? I'll get to that in more detail. Also, um, evidence is growing that consumer sentiment is very strong, and same-source sales for Target and Kohl's are up, so the consumer continues to spend. Though, Even though they may avoid certain retailers like JCPenney's, but they are happy, they're content, and they are spending. And some of the brick-and-mortar stores are doing just fine. Target, Walmart, and of course, Amazon's online sales are growing you know, like crazy. So we know that. that That's also healthy. Google is reportedly still working on Project Dragonfly. That is the code name for the uh, search engine they are creating for the Chinese government. Hmm. Google has many critics about this. Many critics working for the Chinese government for a search engine. Meantime, consider the have you have you thought about how pervasive data mining capabilities are of the big companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon? Aren't we as consumers, as a society, essentially giving Facebook and Google and all those other big data people our data for free? Every second, every minute that we're on the internet, on devices, platforms, anything. Facebook and Google are, and other big companies, not just them alone, are recording and saving the information on just about everything we do. Big tech has algorithms that understand our preferences, our wants, our needs, and they sell this information. We're giving it to them for free, and they're selling it. Hmm. Our, our behavior profiles, any, anyone who wants to buy it, they're selling it. And have you read the book 1984? For us older people, probably was required reading in high school. It was for me. If you haven't read it, you should read it because Big Brother, this is the Big Brother syndrome. Big Brother is watching every move we make. That was a, that was a, a really negative thing in the book 1984 when the government was watching you, everything you do. Well, the government's not the culprit. It's big tech. Turns out the big tech, and we we want it to happen. We're letting it happen. Isn't that interesting? When it was such, you know, a dire warning, 1984, the book, 1984, with Big Brother watching every move you make. Now it's, well, we like it. We want it. We're willing participants in this, in the digital age. Very interesting change of uh, perceptions. As you can tell, there's always lots of interesting market news to talk about every day, and I do talk about it. But first, let's go ahead and grab a question from our anytime listener line number, and the number is 888-99-CHART. Yes, uh, good morning. This is uh, Saeed from Chicago. Uh, I'm just calling about Newell brand, NWL. It's pretty going down pretty bad, and uh, what do you think? It's uh, time to get a sell it or just hold on it to see if it comes back. Thank you, Steve. Newell Brands, everybody. You you probably use some of their stuff. You just don't know it. Manufactured household hardware, cookware, office goods, 
uh, you they sell it to resellers and wholesalers, you know, like I think is, I don't know if Rubbermaid is one, but it's that kind of thing. You know, the, the, all these, you know, pots and pans and bottles and all that stuff. That's what they do. They've been making money at this for quite some time. They're just not making a lot of money, and the sales are slowly shrinking as time goes by. So it's not a stock that I would want to own. Um, they're going to make a dollar forty-seven next year after making a dollar fifty-seven this year after making a dollar twenty-eight last year, dollar twenty-nine the year before. So you know, there's there's no there's no catalyst for this thing to go higher. It's a $16 stock, going to make $1.47. So the obvious thought is, well, it's fairly low priced. And yes, it is. But it should be low priced. The return on equity is only six. That's very low. What is the purpose of buying it? Well, it has a nice dividend, 5.8%. But if their earnings are going down and sales are shrinking, how long can they keep that up? Eventually, that's got to come down. So I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't be buying it. I wouldn't own it. It looks like it was at 21 gap down to 17, probably earnings and slowly gone, worked its way down to 16. The lowest it's been in recent times is at $15 and it was in November. And that would be a double bottom. If it hit that and bounced up, that would be a double bottom, but there's no reason for it to go higher. So I'm NWL. I'd stay out of it. Newell brands. It's not strong enough. The only redeeming factor is the dividend, 5.8%. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I will be returning to San Jose on March 13th. That's next week. That is actually next Wednesday, one week from tomorrow. And space is limited. Times are full, getting pretty full there. So if you want to sit down and talk to me, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you, but I'm, it's going to be tough. Well, how you do it? Well, first, you go to investtalk.com and click Portfolio Review. You can send me an email also. There's many ways you can do it. And now I'm taking your questions live, everybody. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and it's already March. Now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, Steve Peasley is here now, and he's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278, our main talking point today. What we have learned about investing since the stock market bottom of 2009. What have we learned? Do you, have you learned lessons from there? <clears throat> I have. Every time there's a big market crash and a recovery, there's always something new to learn. And that's one of the reasons why I love this job. There's always something new to learn, no matter what. Remember, it's been 10 years since the market bottom in 2009. 10 years. That, boy, that went by fast. So, where are you now? Where is the market going to go now? See, you can look back and say, oh, look how well the market did over that time. Has nothing to do with what's going to happen in the future. Looking past, you can only make certain assumptions. If these things are all doing the same thing in the past, shouldn't they do the same thing going forward? And you'll look back in all the bear and bull markets and you'll see that different things drove them. It's never exactly the same. 
One thing that is always the same, earnings makes stocks go up. Earnings, earnings, earnings. If you don't have earnings, the stock is not going to go up. Now, can it go up in a week, a day, a month, a year? Yes, it can. Because some people are crazy and they don't care about that. They just care about the story. The story is really good. Therefore, I'm gonna, everybody's going to get on the bandwagon and push the stock price up until that story is no good again. Now, if the story happens to come true, then maybe they're justified. And that happens too. I wish I could tell you this is what you do every time. Boom, 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 boom. These are the rules. And then everything works out. It's not that simple. I wish it was. I wish it was, but it's never that simple. So we're going to talk about that today. I also want to talk about the ISM number, Institute of Supply Management number, and the new home sales that came out. New home sales and the ISM. Also, how a 24-year-old, this is an article, I think, uh, marketwatch.com, saved or is going to save $100,000 by the time she's 25. Well, how did she do that? How is she doing that? She's not, she's not, you know, she started from scratch. She's not anything, you know, she's not like an internet sensation to come up with new, no, this is just a working person. How does she do that? And can you do that or teach your kids to do that? And finally, U.S.-China trade deal may not push stocks like everybody thinks it's going to. Why not? Should. We'll see. The market was down today after being down yesterday, but it was down less and had was kind of a mixed up and down day today, but ended up down, not a lot, down 13 points on the Dow, one point on the NASDAQ, and three points on the S&P 500. So not a lot of things going on with the Dow upwards or downwards. There's no catalyst, nothing to make it move up or down. You know, if there's not a catalyst coming up to move the market up, the market will slowly fall on its own from its own weight. So something has to happen, and it will. Something bad or good will happen. Always has, always will. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I invite you to consider subscribing to our KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. Each Friday morning, subscribers receive my newsletter delivered directly to their inbox. Serious investors with a busy schedule will benefit from my 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 take, my perception of what's gone on in the market this week, news news and trends. So it's a quick read. You'll have up to date ra- roundup of a bunch of information, and I hope you'll subscribe. Eight 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 ninety nine charters our number. This is Invest Talk, and you're ready for unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you are, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Steve Peasley is here now, and he's taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Nicole in the Bay Area. How are you doing, Nicole? Good. So I want Thank to you know for- what your opinion is about this uh, company, uh, Takeda Pharmaceuticals. The symbol is Okay. Takeda Pharmaceuticals out of Japan. It's a $33 billion company. So it's not a small company. It's a big, big company. They develop products to treat 
GI diseases, cancer, neurological, psychiatric diseases, hypertension, and and vaccines. Uh, they actually haven't been. They're actually a fairly new company as far as being a public company. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that they're that new. They are growing. Uh, earnings are growing really fast. I mean, last this year is going to be a dollar three. Even though it was a dollar eleven last year, next year it's supposed to be two dollars and twenty six cents a share. That's the estimate. That's a hundred percent plus in earnings. So it is a twenty dollar stock. So that means your PE based on next year's earnings, if that's true, is well under ten. That's pretty reasonable. I mean, that's that's a pretty cheap stock. Plus, I like it, Nicole, because it's not cyclical. It's a consumer staple. I mean, it's, you, its products are going to sell no matter what. If we go into recession, they go into recession. Whoever goes, doesn't matter because they're treating diseases and things, which still happen. So I kind of like that about sales is a little soft between two and 5% sales growth quarter over quarter over quarter for the last couple of years. So it's not strong there, but you know what? I kind of like, I kind of like the the value in this stock and I kind of like the chart. So I kind of like this stock. Okay. I I, I think it's a good stock to own. I'm sorry, say that again? Ah, okay. Um, I would say you had, uh, you see, it broke above its uh, its resistance of $20. So I think this is a good point right around here to buy it. I think it's a good price right here. $20, $20.96. Thanks, Nicole. Appreciate the call. That's T-A-K, everybody. Takata Pharmaceuticals out of Japan. $33 billion company. Pretty good size. Our main talking point today, what have we learned about investing since the stock market bottom in 2009? What have we learned? Okay. There's a number of lessons. <clears throat> um, and I'm going to go through some of them. Okay, I don't know if we can do all of them. But one of them should be the Federal Reserve. About about the Federal Reserve. They will do all they can to prop up weak a weak stock market. Via interest rate policy. Look what they did in this most recent one. They dropped it down to zero to try to prop up the stock market. Now, they won't say that. I will tell you this. They won't admit it. They won't say it. They'll say it this way. We're trying to prop up the economy. That's what they're going to say. And I'm not saying that they're actually lying. But flooding flooding the system with money pushes stock prices up. And why have they been so slow when in raising rates? Why? Over the recent years. Because they didn't want to affect the stock market. That's my personal opinion, and I think I'm right. Also, I think we have to learn or learn from the lesson that artificial intelligence, the cloud, and other transformational technologies will be the biggest drivers of profits going forward for the next 10 years. Artificial intelligence, the cloud, and transformational technologies are going to be the big drivers. Another lesson, machine-driven trading amplifies amplifies herd mentality. It doesn't stop it. It amplifies it. It makes it worse. You just have to look at the history. You don't have to 
You don't have to be that, you know, you don't have to be Mr. Genius to figure this out. So the 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 the, the, the trades, you know, the machine trading that they have the, with the algorithms and everything. Remember who's who's programming those? People. And they're telling it, well, you need to react this way if this happens and react this way if that happens. And if it gets worse, you got to react faster. And so it makes the swings worse. Worse, not better. And many investors are still lacking in knowledge, solid knowledge about geopolitics and the impact on earnings and the future of economies. And they haven't necessarily learned the interconnectivity of the world markets. We are getting closer, driven closer and closer and closer. And one thing you should know, but maybe you should have learned this long ago, or at least from this, quarterly earnings are pretty much useless to an investor. We talk about them. We discuss them every time. And they're out there all the time. But I don't think it's very much, very helpful as an investor to pay that much attention to quarterly earnings. I don't. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, the next battle for, for central bank independence is already unfolding, and this could potentially destabilize the entire global financial system. Hmm, sounds pretty bad. That story is going to be tomorrow, so you might want to tune in. But now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom. Financial freedom to do and live as we want. But our old 401k plan? It's out of date. It can't truly be working for us. You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review. The kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation by KPP Financial. Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, but retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success. KPP Financial, okay. Steve and Justin are always grateful when you make Invest Talk a part of your daily routine. And their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio. The phone lines are open. Steve is here and he's ready for your questions. 888 99Chart. Hey, Steve or Justin. Uh, this is Joe from Arizona. Just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the current run up and if you feel like there's a inevitable pullback coming in the short term. So in late January or so after a strong month, I was of the mindset that a pullback was coming and took a few short positions in short ETFs, some 2 and 3x leverage just as a short-term trade, thinking that uh, when the market pulls back, just a, a quick sale on those. As the market has continued to run through February, and those positions continue to decline in value, just wondering, is it time to bail out of those? Or do you feel like there is a, a pullback still coming and, and stand firm in those positions? I uh, would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. 
Okay, well, that's a very good question, and I guarantee you there will be a pullback. See, uh, you got to be careful what people say like that, like I just made a flat statement. got to be careful, because you used to say, well, when and how much, and I'll say, I have no idea. No one does. But I can tell, if, if, you're, if you're a chart reader, and charts just tend to be true. They don't always true. There's not a science. It's an art. But if you're looking at a chart, you can see the market, the S&P 500, struggling at the 2800 mark. And it's been at this 2800 mark uh, once in October and once in November and once right at the end of November, beginning of December. And up and down, up and down, up and down. And then it failed in December. That December 1st, it fell and fell sharply. So that's now the short-term resistance, and that's where it is. It's been there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days or so, so far, right around that same price, 2800 It's at 2789 So it's acting as resistance. If it fails, it should not necessarily retest the bottom of December, but it certainly should give back a good portion of the move up in a normal you know, Fibonacci way. Fibonacci is a study of patterns of, you know, a, 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 I don't know what, what he, he was a mathematician. I just don't remember what nationality in Europe somewhere many hundreds of years ago. And he noticed natural patterns. And this is one of the things that could very easily happen. So it could give back easily 50, 40, 50% would be normal normal. Now, if it breaks above this 2800 on the on the S&P, the next peak will be the high it made last October. Last October, which was like 2925, I think, somewhere right around there. And if it breaks that, I don't know where it's going. <clears throat> I don't know. So, this is a this is a crucial area that's being tested to see if it can hold these numbers and we're running out of earnings surprises cuz earnings season's over. So now, Something has to come from something else. And it could break up because of the China-U.S. deal if that gets done. But what if that deal doesn't get done anytime soon? Okay, that's one of my talking points. U.S.-China trade deal. Okay, what if it does? Okay, if it happens, this may not boost the market much because some of this move up that we've had from this very low in December has because of positive positive statements coming from both sides about the success or the progress, I should say, of their discussions. So pushing stocks up, all oh, good. So if it's one of those things, you know, that old saying, you um, buy the rumor, sell the news. The rumor is the deal is going to happen. That rumor's been around and it's starting to, it's been percolating. And then when it actually happens, I can, you can easily, it's very common that investors and traders would sell, take their profits, and that will drive the market down. Now, that's very possible. Okay, so it may not boost the market here, and it may not boost the world economies, which are, which are been shrinking, because any trade deal put to forth is not going to happen right away. It's going to take time. We have slowing global growth. And that's kind of an overhang until that changes. And could the China deal make that change? It could. It just won't have an immediate effect, I don't think. So those are reasons why a Chinese-U.S. trade deal may not drive stocks higher. 
I don't want you just to automatically assume that stocks are going to go higher because of this trade deal. I've seen it go both ways on major things like this. And my gut feeling is we're probably going to have a pullback. I just can't tell you when and how much. And no one can, really. I can just tell you historically, patterns like we've developed, this V-bottom, usually a V-bottom means you're probably going to have a, some kind of retest of the bottom. Not necessarily go all the way back down there, unless we're heading into recession, then it would go back down there and go down further. But at least some kind of giving up of some of that big move up it would not, it would be normal. And you need to be prepared for it, that's all. Just be prepared for that kind of action. 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, everybody. 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you're making the right choices with the money in your 401k. Sometimes it's pretty difficult because, you know, you don't have a lot of choices. So, you know, you can't really... You know, you have to you have to use what they're offering in those four hundred one k's, and you're hoping they're offering at least you know enough to make a decent uh, decent invest invest uh, decent portfolio. But many of them are very weak. Some of them I give you lots of choices, and I really like those. But how do you know when to get in, when to get out? Should you even try? Basically, I don't think you really should try. It's very very difficult. Now, of course, we have a math-based model, a guide that you could use. Uh, it's called uh, Active 401k, an Active 401k program that helps you decide, you know, gives you suggestions, email suggestions every month, comes out, okay, and it looks at the, looks at, looks, it's a modeling thing, and it's based on your risk tolerance, how much risk you want, and what's going on in the marketplace. So it's model-driven, you know, it's driven by statistics so if you're interested interested you know active 401k program it's at investtalk.com you can look up and then learn about it i am taking your questions live right now at 888-99-CHART this is invest talk made possible by kpp financial where they describe their services as independent thinking shared success and InvestTalk listeners and KPP clients alike are invited to take advantage of the many products and services of KPP Financial. For example, the InvestTalk radio program and its podcast replays, the new online training experience, InvestTalk Academy, the KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed each Friday, and the next no-cost portfolio review opportunity with Steve Peasley. Yes, Steve will be returning to San Jose, California on Wednesday, March 13th to meet with InvestTalk listeners who understand the value of having a focused portfolio strategy. If you register and then make time to sit down with Steve, he can very likely show you how to maximize your investment performance. These are free consultations, but space is limited. So get started now at InvestTalk.com. Hey, Steve or Dustin. It's uh, John from Florida. I have a question uh, regretting for small, medium, or large cap uh, types of funds. wanted to get your opinion on the three different styles. Uh, I'm looking at two small cap funds, Sam Foxtrot, Sam Nico X-Ray, or Sam Wilson, Sam Sam X-Ray. Uh, the fundamental cap versus the small cap index. 
Um, I know the fundamental has a higher um, expense ratio, but they seem to be getting better returns. Uh, this would be a long-term position hold that I'd be dollar cost averaging into for the next five or 10 years at least. Um, just wanted to get your opinion. Thanks, and you have a great day. Appreciate the show. Doing great work. Bye. Okay, those are both Schwab funds. Uh, they're both small cap oriented, and I would do the I would pick the fundamental fund, small cap. Remember, small caps are full of companies that don't make money, and a fundamental uh, Schwab fundamental at least is looking at the numbers and determining you know their sales and earnings are there. Whereas the small cap index is full of those kind of stocks and stocks that don't make money. So I prefer that now. Stepping back a, a, a pace or two, small caps are much more volatile than large caps. So just realize that you're going to have a, a wilder ride in the small cap part of the stock market. Large, I'm I'm focusing on large cap value. Uh, you heard me talk about utilities. You heard me talk about um, uh, consumer staples. That those are those are products that people need and have to have, and I think that's a better place to be because we're late in the economic cycle. When we're late in the economic cycle, there's certain sectors that work better than other sectors, and I just gave you two: utilities and consumer staples. So, and I would stick with the larger value part of the market. At this point, trying to protect yourself from you know, some of the volatility that you're gonna ha- we're gonna have. Look at the volatility we've already had this year. I mean, I mean, it's been up volatility this year. Of course, that's this year because the market bottomed right at the end of December. But look, if you take into consideration December, you have up and down huge volatility, and I don't think that's gonna stop. I think we're gonna have volatility this year. So just be prepared for it. We had some economic numbers out today. New home sales. Now, remember, we've been getting erratic reports. Some are delayed. Some are, you know, okay. This is a new home sales. And it was pretty interesting because there were 621,000 new homes sold. They expected only 600,000. And it was 599,000. So they expected to grow by 1,000. Instead, it grew, grew by 22,000 new homes. Remember, we've had some housing stats that are pointing to a weaker housing market. And these are new home sales, not existing homes, new. So this one is telling you, well, yeah, new home sales are doing fine. So we're getting kind of some mixed signals in there. The ISM number, Institute Supply Management, non-manufacturing number. In other words, service sector of our economy. This is a report that comes out every month, and it tells you and, and above 50 means growth, below 50% means shrinkage. And so they, what we got was 59.7%, which is a pretty high number. They expected it to go up to only 57.5 from 56.7. So it was up much stronger than they expected. Remember, anything above 50 is growth in the economy. So both these numbers were pretty positive, pretty positive. And remember, we we saw some weakness in December, and you know, but it's not throughout everything. Kind of, it's kind of a mixed signal we're getting there. But these two numbers were pretty pretty impressive. 
Unfortunately, they all look backwards, you know, but you're looking for any trends that might be developing, negative or positive. So I thought there was a negative trend developing in housing, and I still kind of think there is, but this kind of bucks that trend a little bit, new home sales, which is good, which is good. Their time, yeah, so yes, let's do it. Well, here comes another caller. This came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is Jake out of Columbus, Ohio. Um, I had a question about ETFs. I'm looking to add either an emerging markets play or a, a gold play or a materials play uh, or precious metals play to my uh, portfolio here. I know that both those sectors are looking good to run this year based on what you guys are saying on the pod and those sectors. So if you guys know of any good ETFs to get into in those sectors, uh, I'll be listening to it on the pod. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate what you guys do, and thank you. Bye. Well, thank you for the call, but you, you have to you, you, you realize I cannot make suggestions over the air. The SEC... Uh, frowns on that very strongly because I manage money for people and uh, the people that are you're asking me to give you advice out there in the airwaves of what to buy and that is and there's a rule that says I have to know my customer before I can make recommendations and of course I don't know people out there in the airwaves so I can't make suggestions when you talk about emerging markets versus precious metals, I can talk about that. I think emerging markets may have put in a bottom, just like our stock market. They were weak all last year. China was weak all last year. Um, but I think we might have seen the, the bottom in this, this cycle. The way that that may not be true is if we go into a worldwide recession. But at this point, um, I think the odds are not there yet. Precious metals is a very good defensive mechanism. Emerging markets are not a defensive mechanism investment. Uh, Precious metals usually go up when the dollar weakens or the economy weakens. Usually, precious metals move up in those situations. So you'll notice that recently... Uh, the sector has, the precious metal sector has gone down because the dollar has gone up. So I find that interesting, but I don't know if the dollar can keep that up. This is Investor, and I'm Steve Peasley. So what do we do here on the show? Well, we try to help you. We try to help you work toward achieving your goal. And that goal we stayed at the front of the show is financial freedom, whatever that means for you. And that effort will continue right after this break. Get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, the next battle for central bank independence is already unfolding. And this could potentially destabilize the entire global financial system. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to Steve in Denver. How you doing, Steve? 
Hey, not too bad, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good. You got a great name there. Yeah, I try. I try. I'll, I'll tell my parents. Um, I have a quick question. I'm looking at GPS Gap. Uh, obviously, they had their recent announcement that they would be splitting mm -hmm. off uh, Old Navy and then forming a new company mm -hmm. with their leftover assets uh, sometime in 2020. Right. And I've seen some third-party reporting from Barron's, things like that, that like eBay and PayPal, you as a Gap shareholder will get one stock in both companies when they split. Looking at the price point now, now that the euphoria has came off of the announcement, is this a good time to get into Gap? I appreciate it. Okay. Um, I think I would wait a little bit longer. Everybody, Gap uh, owns a bunch of Brinton stores. Everybody thinks it's just the Gap stores. No, they own more. They own Old Navy, Banana Republic. Uh, they own different chains. They have 3,165 franchises, 425 Gap stores. So they, they're big. So they've decided to split off Old Navy, which is the more valuable part of the overall company called Gap. Okay. They're going to split that off. So now you, if you own Gap shares right now, before they split, you will get shares in Gap and shares in Old Navy. And the Old Navy will be on its own as a, in a standalone company, and so will Gap. Um, mind you, when they do split that off, remember Old Navy is the better part of the Gap story. So now, should, should you buy it now? It got up to $31.51 on this news, jumping up from 25, and now it's back down to 27 three days later, two, three days later. Uh, trading days they are, I'm talking about. Um, I think I'd wait because I don't know if it's done. It's got to settle in. Let it trade sideways a few a few days, Steve. That'll tell you because it's still falling off that high. So if you want to buy it, I'd just be a little bit patient. That's what I would do. Okay. Okay. I, think, I appreciate it. I think it could. No problem. I think it could settle in right around 27 bucks. I, I kind of think it might. But we got to wait. We got to see. GPS is the symbol, everybody. GPS. S. 888.99 chart. Okay. How a 24-year-old is going to save 100000 by the time she's 25? What are some of the lessons we might learn from her? Well, she has a full-time job and she has a small side business. As a matter of fact, she started a small side business when she was 9 or 10 years old. And one of the big lessons here. It was a, her parents, her parents taught her financial literacy from a very young age. Now, how do you get 100000 though? Well, she started saving money at age 21. Remember, she's 24. So she already had, a, you know, a, a good background on how money works, how to save it, how to not spend it. You know, uh, and that, of course, was learned. But you, you should teach your youngers, youngsters or your nieces and nephews. I try to. They don't really listen to me very much. But I try to. One of the things she is big on, which you've heard me say many times, no credit card debt. She was taught if you can't spend it with cash, you don't have the cash to buy it. You don't use credit card debt. 
Now, of course, you use credit cards, but you pay it off every month before you. Remember, you don't want to be an interest payer. You want to be an interest collector. Well, don't start off by being an interest payer. It just eats into your income. That's all it does. So, what are the lessons? Save early. Save as much as you can. Spend less than you earn. And, you know, try to look for a way other than making money other than just working on an hourly basis. Figure out a way to try to maximize whatever skills you have and turn them into money-making ideas. That's hard. It's very difficult. But it is doable. People think it's not doable. It is very doable, everybody. Everybody can be rich if they want to be. I'm I'm a full believer in that. You just have to work at it. Stop going to Starbucks every day. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. And I really do thank you for your loyal support and calling with all your questions. So, we have, what, three more days left? Let's say it's Tuesday. Yeah, one, two, three. Three days left in the week. We're going to see how it goes, and I'll keep you posted. So, have a great evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.